Welcome to the fourth episode of The Voice of V. I am V.L. Kaysen, or V for short. Today's topics, issues and where I stand, as promised from last week. Got a book recommendation, podcast recommendation, and then we'll close out with a little bit of pillow talk. So if you listened to last week's episode, I told you I'd be talking about where I stand on some of the major issues at the forefront of our society. It is at this point in my podcast series that I inevitably will gain or lose listeners. The ones that I lose are the ones I spoke about last week, the people who only focus on a single story. Those people used to be the reason I kept my mouth shut. My fear of conflict, rejection, or simply not being liked took precedence over having my voice heard. I've spent my adult life trying to lead by example by working hard, keeping my personal life between my closest trusted friends, contributing to my community, respecting others' beliefs and keeping my own to myself, now to my detriment, being a good person, learning from my mistakes, and really just not ruffling any feathers. It's that last part that brings me to where I am today. In my mind, the outside reason for not ruffling feathers was keeping the peace. That is something innate with me. A behavior learned from my own childhood trauma. It's not an excuse, it's a fact. In the last seven months, I've come full circle with processing that trauma. It has been painful. It has been soul-crushing, but it has been a sort of rebirth, a second chance, a more open me, a more honest me, without all those inner fears. I need that energy for more important fears, and I will address that in a later episode. I grew up surrounded by an amazing and diverse group of people. I grew up not seeing color. This was problem number one. Next episode. I grew up thinking everyone got along just fine. I grew up without the entire picture of history. And I grew up white. I spent my 20s blissfully being a self-centered partier with more things to worry about than societal or political issues. Sure, I was informed. Sure, I voted. But I left the heavy lifting to other people. I didn't have time for that. I was busy building my career and enjoying my life. I had a diverse group of friends and we were good, so everything was just fine. Oh boy, makes me roll my eyes just thinking about it. I left the party life in 1991 and I settled into my career. There were some personal snags along the way, but nothing out of the ordinary. Just like everyone else, personal life goes through ups and downs. 2016. That's when it unraveled. My career was good, not happy. But it paid the bills. I owned a home. I had a growing business of my own. My finances were in good order. I was about to turn 50. And bam. Full stop. 
full screeching stop. This was the year things began to really change. It came unraveled, righted a little bit, then fell off the table to the floor, taking my heart with it. Becoming a caregiver at 50 was definitely not on my bingo card. It never is. I mean, really. I remember a couple years prior to turning 50, a trip to New York City being batted amongst a couple of my friends. Instead, I spent my 50th birthday bedside at a hospital. Life is full of twists and turns that we truly never anticipate. But if you're going to keep your head on your shoulders, you got to suck it up and find the strength you never knew you had. And it's a good thing. Because the ability to find that strength would come around for me again and again. My story is in no interest in detail, but I summarize it because it's relevant to where I am today. When you watch someone face mortality, it can make you question what is truly important in life. It also reminds you, yes, life is short. It was during that time that I faced the reality of just how unhappy I was in my career and that I really had been for quite some time. So I came up with a plan. Sell the house, walk away from it all. Sell almost everything. Build out a van to live in full time, take the caregiving on the road, travel for a year, refresh, reset, and start a new career somewhere else. You see, I wasn't happy where I was living, so going back there wasn't an option. I gave it plenty of years. We were not a good fit. Living there was my first clue that what I used to think when I was younger was not true. But still, I went blissfully into van life. After a year of travel, settling into the city I grew up in, I got a job that I loved, and then COVID. That summer of 2020 would lead to a decision to leave Florida at the end of the lease. And honestly, thinking that I could live there anymore in that heat and humidity that I had always despised was admittedly a mistake. My dad would pass away in the summer of 2020, just three months before I moved. In May of 2021, I went back to Florida to visit my mom. Upon arriving, things didn't seem right with her, and she would be diagnosed with a deadly brain tumor just 10 days after I arrived. We spent the next two months together until she lost her short battle. To say the last six years have been a challenge for me would be an understatement. But I'm still here, with a roof over my head and food on the table, and while that sounds really cliche, in today's world, these are things I do not take for granted. I barely had time to grieve my dad's passing when I'd be taking care of my mom. Once the business of death was over, that's what I call it, the business of death, things you have to take care of when someone passes away, that would be the time that I could then sit with myself and some extremely helpful books on grief and process a lot of stuff. During that time, my reading shifted. And over these last seven months, reading and research on history, violence, and racism became an obsession. Written books, audiobooks, documentaries, speeches, a conference, 
and tons of listening to people that do not look like me. Lots of listening with my mouth shut. The books that helped me deal with the death of my parents led me to face some things about the society I live in, finally, at 56 years old. Better late than never. I'm not even sure what the light switch moment was, but it doesn't matter. Buffalo, New York, May 14 of this year. A man murdered 10 black people at a grocery store. The facts speak for themselves. This murderer is a white supremacist domestic terrorist. My emotions at hearing this news went from sadness to anger and back again. Over the next few days, I would process that mass shooting and that hopeless feeling I always get when lives are taken this way. My heart and my soul have never been able to wrap my head around such horrible acts of humanity. This act reverberated around in my head and solidified what I had been doing for the last seven months. Sifting through moments in time, replaying conversations I've had, written words, spoken word, words of those who know exactly what it feels like to be a potential target, listening, processing, and repeating this over and over until the avalanche of history stands before me bare, demanding I use my voice. If not now, then when? When? When it's too late? It's already too late for so many. Uvalde, Texas, May 24, this past week. A man murdered 19 children and two adults. When I tell you I broke emotionally, I broke on a whole different level. I could not stop crying. People in the fields that know the jobs, the fields, it's the children that can bring the strongest man to his knees with grief. The young, the innocent, the ones with so much in front of them. And while, sadly, this was not the first time young lives were taken this way, I think the part that broke me was the realization that this is just going to keep happening. And no one seems to care. at least not the ones who could try and do something about it. I mean, we are so far beyond thoughts and prayers. Is that what you would want to hear when a mass shooting results in someone you love dying? Maybe this is what some people might want to hear, I, but you better realize we're all different. And for me, it just rings hollow. Why? Because once that news cycle passes... A broken-hearted loved one sits abandoned by a society that only truly cares when the ugliness crosses their doorstep. And me? I'm not innocent here either. I remember Columbine. I remember Sandy Hook. I remember the Charleston Church Massacre. And I remember many more. But what I did was get back in line and went about being a dutiful citizen. Go to work. Let those in charge handle things. These are big people matters and, you know, this can never happen again anyway, right? I took the easy route. Too, too timid to speak too loudly and too scared to march. Besides, I couldn't take off work to go march. I don't have time for that. You see, 
It's people like me that have us in the spot we're in today. Especially people like me. And I own it. I see it. I recognize it. And it's time more people like me do the same. Now, the first thing a lot of people hearing me will say is, well, what's my solution to all this? Well, my answer is I don't know. But what I do know is the reason we vote people into office at every level of government is so that they can use their collective expertise to work together. Yeah, work together. To listen to their constituents. Yeah, listen. And to try and work towards solutions. Right now, we have none of that happening. When it comes to most of the issues, I have ideas. Everyone does. But if anyone thinks that they know everything about every issue and they know the answer is kidding themselves. Every aspect of our society is complicated. It's going to require a multi-pronged approach. People and perspectives are different as our situations. I spoke about this last week. So much about our government is completely broken. Money and power have taken over and representative government has left the building. If we as citizens of this country want change, we must make changes. Sitting back and depending on others to do it, yeah, it's not working. We must speak. We must vote and we must demand action without stopping. That means when the news cycle turns quiet, we're still demanding action. The issues? Racism in the United States is rampant. Has been. It's built into our society in ways that I am only beginning to grasp and understand. I will not stop learning and I will not stop speaking. There will be more on this in future episodes. Gun violence in the United States. It's out of control. I come from a long line of hunters, and I grew up with firearms. I believe in sensible, responsible gun ownership. I also believe that that responsibility is not taken seriously enough in this country. The number of things that I could list that are more difficult to purchase is unreal. We must make changes. And what is so frustrating is that no one who can put forth said changes is even trying. I remember years ago, you didn't have to be 21 in some states to drink. That ended. Now all 50 states have a set drinking age of 21. Maybe there's an idea. There are many ideas to try and solve the gun violence problem, and not one is being addressed. Mention changes, and immediately the, the discussion is shuts down before it even starts. Goes back to money and power. Gotta vote. Mental health. I'm going to leave that for another episode because I don't want anyone getting it twisted with what I've already talked about. Plus, I need more time to pull my thoughts together. Healthcare. As a system, it's broken. Globally, we're falling behind. And again, we stall. Do I think Obamacare was a success? Yes and no. Again, I'm not an expert. But throwing out the baby with the bathwater is not getting us anywhere. 
something so vast and complex is not going to be fixed on the first try. And it's never going to be fixed if we continue to ignore the problem. Ideas become solutions when you continue to work and refine the pieces that fit to solve the puzzle. Goes back to money and power. You got to vote. Human rights. Every playing field must be equitable for every human being, period. More on this at another time. Ooh, deep breaths. The most divisive issue next to guns is abortion. Let me be clear. The verbiage surrounding this issue is the greatest barrier to hearing other opinions. I am not pro-abortion. I do believe that this medical procedure should exist only in extenuating circumstances. I do not believe the government should be involved in a doctor-patient dis discussion. I do not believe that abortion, either medical or pharmaceutical, should be used as a method of birth control. I do believe there are medical and criminal circumstances that should allow for a woman to have a choice. Along those lines, I support bodily autonomy. Get your COVID vaccine or not, I get mine. That's my choice because I trust in science. I also wear a mask. Don't want to wear one? That's your choice. No judgment. Just remember, that works both ways. The exception? Medical facilities. I've thought a lot about this, and honestly, it's probably something we should have been doing all along. Think about it. Do I think employers should be allowed to require vaccinations? Sure. It's their choice. And I'll give an example as to why. Company X employs 125 people. Company X provides a health insurance benefit. Insurance costs tend to be determined based on risk. COVID cases have resulted, the long COVID cases have resulted in seven-figure hospital bills. If a couple of employees in that company were to become long-term COVID cases, totaling millions of dollars, that cost will be passed back to Company X when insurance renewal season comes around. So yes, if the company can do something that might stave off that happening and keep insurance rates down, they will. Never mind the productivity issues with employees being out of work for weeks or months. But you say, doesn't that fly in the face of bodily autonomy you just mentioned? Absolutely. But you know what? If you want the job, this one, with the company benefits, you must toe the line or look elsewhere. Listen, I never used to get a flu shot. I've only had three in my entire life. First one I had was in 2008 when I was going through EMT school. If I remember, it was required, as were some other shots. It was my first flu shot. My reason for never getting one was simply because I'd never had the flu. So I felt like my system was in good shape and I didn't need it. I've had two flu shots since then, and it's mainly because of age and hospital exposure that I've had in recent years. To this day, I still haven't had the flu. I choose these issues to get started. 
They're the most difficult. They divide us more than many other things. And I want to encourage thought and conversation. Seek out the voices of others and listen without speaking. (laughs) Trust me, it's not easy. Sitting on your hands and closing your mouth is the most difficult thing to do when you feel passionate about something. But it's the only way we're going to begin to heal and move forward as a society. Open your heart, your mind, your soul. Find your empathy for others. Try to understand other perspectives. We must try to stop centering ourselves in conversations. To be so open and so public with my thoughts makes me feel incredibly vulnerable. This was not easy. I, I hope that whether you agree with me or not, that as fellow human beings, we can find some common ground. If you're still listening, thank you. I don't want to close on such a heavy note. So let's shift gears before I end the episode. So, because of last summer's events, I did not get to experience my first spring and summer season here in Montana. We've been getting some nice days of a little rain, some temperatures in the 70s, and the trees are starting to pop with green and yellow. You know, the pollen. There's always pollen. But I'm trying to keep this upbeat. Anyway, it's been amazing to watch the trees spring to life with so many leaves so fast. They go from being these these see-through bunches of sticks to looking like their weight has quadrupled. I know this probably sounds silly, but I've opened my eyes to some wonders that I, I really didn't used to pay attention to, and it's just really cool. The patio has been transformed back into a warm weather space with chairs and a grill ready to go. And again, I was gone last summer, so I'm pretty excited to utilize the space, take in some sunsets and soak in some sun without the humidity. (laughs) I have a book recommendation for you. I'll leave the information in the show notes in case you miss it. No compensation here. I just wanted to share a good read. The book is titled, Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes by Phoebe Robinson. It's a series of essays. She's so witty and beautifully honest. Her writing style reminds me a bit of my own with her less than formal word uses at times. She's hysterical. Again, check the show notes for information. It's hard to give you a whole lot of info without you know, giving up the whole book since it's essays. I'm still reading 1619 that I mentioned last week and a couple of others. People I've spoken to can't understand how I can be in the middle of so many books at the same time. But I think it's my need to process in bits and then continue. Some of this reading is very heavy. I've honestly never done this until I started in December, but it's working, so I don't question it. Now, I've got a podcast to recommend that may tie into the next week. Mayim Bialik, you know, from Big Bang Theory and the sometime on again, off again host or of Jeopardy. Actually, she might be the permanent host now. I can't remember. She has a podcast called Mayim Bialik's Breakdown, MBB for short. 
podcast seeks to dispel the myths and misunderstandings of mental health. I do not know how this woman finds the time to do this podcast, but she does, and it's really good. I encourage you to check it out. That's your favorite podcast provider. Okay. On to the pillow talk. Not that kind. Actual pillow talk. Something has recently happened that I can't seem to find a comfortable pillow. I have many in various forms, and no matter what I do, I end up with painful spots on my head or my ear, depending on if I'm sleeping on my back or my side. No matter how firm or how soft the pillow is, I'll wake up after a couple of hours and it feels like my head's been laying on concrete. Does anyone else have this problem? I mean, my neck is okay. It's the contact point of where my head just feels like it's being crushed under its own weight. I hope this makes sense. At any rate, I'm in search of a pillow to solve this problem. I'm a side sleeper, 80% of the time, back 20. But solving this problem, you know, how do you do it when, you know, you you can't, like, take pillows and try them out and take them back and try them out and take them back and try them out? Get pretty expensive. Anyway, if you have some ideas, please drop me a note. All right, I'm rambling, so I'm going to close the episode. But I want to thank you for sticking with me. I would really love to hear from you, the listener. Comments, questions, suggestions, feedback, you know, whatever. Drop me a note at the voice of V podcast at gmail.com. And we'll address it. Um, I will answer you. Next week, more issues and where I stand, along with whatever kind of comes up during the week. Announcement, the Caregiver's Companion book that I wrote is out. If you check the links button on my website, there'll be a button for books. It'll take you right to it. There's a description there on Amazon's page. Um, I thank you very much for listening. If you're interested in what I read and what I'm planning to start reading soon, you can find me on Goodreads under V.L. Kaysen. And my website is vlkaysen.com. Again, thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>